Are you a new or aspiring woman leader that wants to make a successful leap into leadership? Do you want to grow your confidence and your leadership abilities so that you can become the kind of leader other people want to follow? Welcome to The Leadership Leap, a show that is all about helping women to become more confident about making the leap into leadership. Now, here is your host, Leanne Pico. Hello, welcome to The Leadership Leap. I'm Leanne Pico, your host, and Happy New Year. It's 2020, and I don't know that you realize this, but it is a leap year this year, or as we are calling it, it's the year of the leap. So if you are thinking about taking a leap into leadership this year, or you've made the leap and you want some support, we're here for you. So it's all about the Leadership Leap for Women this year. I'm so excited. So today, we've got a fantastic show for you today. I'm, I'm just, you know, it's really nice to, um, over the holidays, take a break, have a rest, hang out with friends. Today, I get to hang out with two of my favorite women. So I feel like I'm keeping the party going. Well, okay, not let's download. It's not the party. So <laughs> we're all recovering after our New Year's celebrations. So um, before I tell you about the show, I'm going to, uh, I just wanted to say thank you to my guests from last time. We had uh, Kimberly Davis, the author of Brave Leadership on, and Kimberly talked about being authentic as a leader and how that's so important now for what it means to be a brave leader. So thank you so much to Kimberly for, for stopping by. And thank you as well to Michelle Bevan, our EQ coach. In her segment, What's Your EQ? Michelle talked about emotional triggers. She helped us better understand what they are, how to identify them. And she gave us some really great tips for managing them. If you didn't get a chance to listen to that show, highly, highly recommend it. You'll love it. So check it out on the Leadership Leap show page or you can also find it on your favorite podcast provider, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Um, I've, it's on Spotify. Wherever you are, we are. So, you know, you can check us out there. Just search for The Leadership Leap. So I'm so excited about today's show. So we've got Tina De Los Santos, our communication strategist at The Leadership Leap. She'll be here for our Who Thought It Best segment. It's the segment where we don't care what you wear, we care what you think. We talk about some great thought leadership stuff that Tina has found in doing the social media for the Leadership Leap. And after that, I'll have the pleasure of talking to Christina Sacchifio, our inclusion coach. Uh, In her segment, The Inclusion Zone, Christina will be talking about her own pioneering inclusion-first approach to diversity, equity, and inclusion. You've got to hang around for that. It's going. It's it's really important stuff. Um, so if you have an interest in this area, this is the show for you. Uh, but before we get started with our guests, I wanted to share something with you. This Saturday is my fiftieth birthday. Now. I'm not usually someone who talks about my birthday. I don't love all the fuss around it. I'm not. Re- I don't really like being the center of attention, so I I tend to downplay it. But this year, I am being very open about it because I am so darn excited. I, yes, you heard that right. I'm excited about being 50, and we don't often hear women saying that, but. I think it's important for us to talk about it. It, Turning 50 is often framed as a decline for women. So our aging has often been linked to our level of attractiveness or our ability to bear children. So, you know, after 50, what's the point, right? There's a lot of 
lot of great older women around right now who are showing us what the point is, is that it's, we're not just about having babies. We're not just about attractiveness. We have a lot to give in the world. We have a lot to offer. And we have developed our wisdom, hard-fought wisdom over many years to share with the next generation of women. And that's why I am going to celebrate all year long. I think it's important for any any woman to kind of look at your journey as a, as a long-range one and to think about how you're going to make an impact, how you'll contribute. And some of the stuff we're going to talk about today will really um, point us in that direction and think about what, what, is our, what do we do with our platform? What do we do with our lives to make sure that we're, we're impacting others? So many years ago, A friend of mine gave me an anthology of women's poetry, and one poem stayed with me. It has been an inspiration and an aspiration throughout my whole life. And I say the title in my head sometimes as a bit of a mantra to keep myself on track. So the poem is, I am becoming the woman I've wanted by Jane Brown. And here it is. I am becoming the woman I've wanted, gray at the temples, soft body body delighted, cracked up by life with a laugh that's known bitter, but past it got better, knows she's a survivor, that whatever comes, she can outlast it. I am becoming a deep weathered basket. I am becoming the woman I've longed for, the motherly lover with arms strong and tender, the growing up daughter who blushes surprises. I am becoming full moons and sunrises. I find her becoming this woman I've wanted, who knows she'll encompass, who knows she's sufficient, knows where she's going and travels with passion, who remembers she's precious, but knows she's not scarce, who knows she is plenty, plenty to share. Jane Brown. So don't be afraid to get older. Don't be afraid to become a deep weathered basket. You have a lot to give. Celebrate your learning, your experience and your journey, and you will become the woman you've wanted. So thank you for listening to that. I hope it it helps you in your journey too. So let's move on to our who thought it best segment. Um, As I'm as I always say, it's not really a competition. It's more about collaboration here. Uh, but we always think it's fun to play with some of the things that we get, women get set up with a bit. Uh, so that who wore it best trend um, that often comes about, you see uh, strong women in politics and we're talking about their shoes. So we just want to have a little play with it. Um, and, you know, shoes are important, as we always say. I mean, I just don't, I don't want to uh, downplay that. <laughs> So anyway, Tina De Los Santos is here. She is our communication engagement strategist, and she's got her own business called Lure Communications. Tina does the social media for the Leadership Leap, and she also writes blogs and creates content strategies for consultants, coaches, and other entrepreneurs. Hi, Tina. Welcome to the show. Hi, Leanne. Thank you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. What, do you, what have you got for us this week, Tina? Well, this week, it kind of was a a wandering path that led me to what we're kind of going to be talking about today. Um, And I guess it started, I don't know if you noticed, but certainly a few years ago, I started noticing that a publication that I had never really paid much attention to started coming more and more into my sight line. It was in my Facebook feed. It was in, um, you know, interesting articles that were being shared and that I was reading. And it was Teen Vogue. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yes, it sort of came out from nowhere all of a sudden. 
Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. And I mean, I am not the target audience for Teen Vogue, I don't think. I'm a 40-year-old woman, so um, long out of my teens. But um, it, it was just interesting how all of a sudden it was coming into my feed, and they were writing about things that magazines, especially magazines directed at young people, um, just hadn't been covering. It was um, a lot of political stuff, um, social justice, sexuality and health, leadership, all kinds of things that um, normally young people um, aren't being exposed to in terms of their glossy mags. Yeah, and that's true. Then over the holidays, I happened to come across um, an episode of Shine On, I believe it's called, by uh, Reese Witherspoon. Are you familiar? Yes, I have watched it. Very okay. good show. Um, it was an episode. I've really only seen this episode. Um, and uh, Reese, Reese Witherspoon interviews these two women named Cleo Wade and Elaine Welteros. Now, turns out Elaine Welteros is the former editor of Teen Vogue. And it was because of her work, um, and, and many others, but really spearheaded by um, Elaine, that Teen Vogue had this massive transformation and started um, you know, discussing all of these political, social, sexuality issues that hadn't been discussed before. And so the interview and the discussion that um, Reese Witherspoon um, had with these two women was just fascinating. Um, they are really leaders, cultural leaders, um, that are sort of carving this new way of leadership for women that is just fascinating. Yeah, and you know, we should mention there are two black women who mm-hmm. are both mixed race, they identify as mixed race, and they talk a lot about race and culture in the show as well, which is, um, it's important to kind of, it's just so nice to be, that they're having a conversation with Reese, Reese Witherspoon, a white woman, and being quite overt mm-hmm. about their own journeys. With her, yeah, and, she's, and she's able to kind of understand them a bit. Yeah, and it's important. Like, Reese identifies her privilege, um, like, as a yeah. white woman in, in the interview, which kind of is really important um, sort of in the sphere that somebody like Reese does identify her privilege. Yes. But the, the conversation that I think it was so fascinating was because um, these women aren't sort of, don't identify as one single thing. They don't really, you don't really hear them talk about themselves as leaders necessarily, but they talk about this common, they have this common care about young women and this common um, goal to, they say, take over the world, but to sort of shift conversations um, um, that sort of, you know, creates this new path for leading young people into the future with new ways of leadership. Their leadership is really about um, inclusion and about um, taking care of people around them and lifting up other women, young women, other women around them um, to, you know, all new worlds. Yeah, nice. And and that's partly, I mean, obviously they're fascinating people, but that's partly what caught my attention in that episode was this um, very overt and it's not just passion. Like, it's not just, oh, I really love to do this. They're actually doing it. They, they, they do a lot of work around lifting up the next generation. And that's kind of why they exist now. And they're, they're using their talents to, to, for that purpose. And so that's, you know, that's our focus here at the Leadership Leap. So it's just really nice. To, I, I found it really nice to hear other women also on the same path that we're on. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, they're, they both, um, well, Cleo particularly, she's an artist, she's a poet as well. She published a book back in 2018 called um, Heart Talk, Poest- 
Poetic Wisdom for a Better Life, which is on its way from Amazon for me, so I don't have it yet, <laughs> but it should be arriving <laughs> next week. Um, and they, she, Cleo particularly, uses art as a way of um, lifting up other women around her, uh, which yes. I thought was just so fascinating because it's not the traditional way that we see leadership using art in that way. Um, I just thought it was so interesting. Yeah, and I, and I, I also... Uh, need to be ordering that book because I and she she kind of creates an intersection or models an intersection in art and politics and so I mean politics and art have always kind of been had a close relationship but her thing one of the things that I loved about her and her approach is she said and she used these words which is I want to be gentle with people where they're at and I thought that was super interesting to think about because you know there's a lot to be frustrated about and some of her poetry and I think she she had a poem in the New York Times that was about frustration really with the world but she she really premises kind of saying okay we need to go where people are at and lift them up from there which I thought was just very beautiful. I agree and it's so funny that we're talking about these two women because and the way that they're changing um, sort of leadership and what leadership kind of looks like in the world because um, their first meeting, Elaine was working at Teen Vogue and she contacted Cleo um, for a meeting to do an interview and Cleo's emailed response was, how about we just have tea? <laughs> Why don't you come over and have tea? And it just sort of changed the whole way that, you know, most people conduct um, interviews and uh, have, you know, business meetings. It's this new way of doing um, doing work in the world where, um, you know, we have this model before us of how so many men before us conducted, you know, important meetings. And these women are just doing it completely differently. And in that way, um, they're being sort of more caring about the people around them. Yeah, absolutely. And, and in fact, Elaine said at one point, um, and I wrote it down because I loved it. And again, it's kind of really uh, appropriate and um, targeted for our audience, which is there's no modern playbook for being female and a boss. And the, and her point was, which, and, and, you know, sometimes we get a little caught up in like, oh, we, we're trying to fit into what we think leadership looks like when in fact we get to create it because we have women on mass have not been leaders before. So we get, so this is such an exciting time to be a woman and to be in leadership and to be uh, in, in, in the world because we're going to have to create it because we need to make the world and workplaces uh, function better for everybody. Absolutely. And I think that's part of their, their whole thrust is that when what drives them is, um, you know, making their businesses and what they're doing about the betterment of everyone. I mean, yeah. um, Elaine says that Cleo builds her business for the betterment of all women. It's not just about what's in it for them, but how they can impact the world around them. And she even says that her book is like a toolkit. Rather than just a book of poetry, it was a toolkit um, for, you know, forging new ways of being in the world in more caring and loving ways. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. It's so interesting. It is so interesting. And it also... Yeah, um, and it also, you know, because it was the holidays, I was um, on Netflix probably more than I should be, and I also came. I to hear that, I sister. Think this one is on. 
<laughs> yeah. This one was on Amazon Prime. It's actually a, a documentary that I have seen many times, um, and I just happened to throw it on again at some point over the holidays, which is, it's actually a Michael Moore documentary called Where to Invade Next, um, which always gives me a travel bug. Um, but there is um, a portion at the end where he um, interviews and, and visits Iceland and interviews um, a number of women uh, leaders in that country from um, banking and finance to um, culture and commerce and, and politics. Yeah. And Hey, listen, Tina, you know what? So can, we, can we save oh. that? We just need to take a quick break. Can we save that Absolutely. and keep people a little bit in suspense for a couple of seconds? So we'll come back and we'll hear more about the link between Michael Moore's documentary and um, Shine On, which we're talking with Reese Witherspoon. We'll be back in a sec. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Hi there, this is Liam Picot, the host of The Leadership Leap. Thank you for listening to the show. Before I stepped into my first leadership role, I wasn't sure about becoming a leader. I was worried I didn't have the skills or confidence to do it well. When I did move up, I always say that I attended the What Not To Do School of Leadership as I knew all the things I didn't want to do, but I was less clear about the kind of leader I wanted to be. So I had to learn that the hard way. That's why I created my online leadership program, also called The Leadership Leap. I help new and aspiring women leaders to grow your confidence and your leadership abilities so you can avoid some of the mistakes I made and make a more successful leap into leadership. Through over 20 video lessons, monthly group coaching, and homework exercises that help you put the learning into action right away, you will discover who you are as a leader and learn how to inspire others. You will also be part of a growing community of other fabulous new and aspiring leaders just like you. Find out more and sign up to learn with me at theleadershipleap.net and use coupon code RADIO for an extra $100 off just for listening. Make the leap into becoming the kind of leader you most want to be. Hi there, this is Liam Picot, the host of The Leadership Leap. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Before I stepped into my first leadership role, I wasn't sure about becoming a leader. I was worried I didn't have the skills or confidence to do it well. When I did move up, I always say that I attended the What Not To Do School of Leadership as I knew all the things I didn't want to do, but I was less clear about the kind of leader I wanted to be. So I had to learn the hard way. That's why I created my online leadership program, also called The Leadership Leap. I help new and aspiring women leaders to grow your confidence and your leadership abilities so you can avoid some of the mistakes I made and make a more successful leap into leadership. Through over 20 video lessons, monthly group coaching, and homework exercises that help you put the learning into action right away, you'll discover who you are as a leader and learn how to inspire others. You will also be part of a growing community of other fabulous new and aspiring leaders just like you. Find out more and sign up to learn with me at theleadershipleap.net and use coupon code RADIO for an extra $100 off just for listening. Make the leap into becoming the kind of leader you most want to be. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to The Leadership Leap with Leanne Pico. You can find out more about Leanne and the program at theleadershipleap.net. Don't forget that you can also send in your questions about all things leadership to Leanne at her email address, info at theleadershipleap.net, and we'll try to answer them on the show. Now, back to The Leadership Leap. Hey, welcome back. Leanne Pico here. Um, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Uh, just before the break, uh, Tina De Los Santos and I, our communications strategist at Leadership Leap, and I were talking about uh, Shine On, which is a new, well, fairly new Netflix offering with Reese Witherspoon. And um, she does a whole series on uh, a bunch of women that she admires in different fields that she feels are um that have accomplished something and have something to give. And she's, she's kind of really focused on building up the next generation of leaders. And we were talking about, it was, it's um, season one, episode four, just to let you know that uh, with um, some really cool guests. And then we were also talking and we just, you know, it's really interesting to talk about women, leader, women leaders being portrayed in the media. And so Tina, you were also just telling us, um, and we'll just talk a bit about Michael Moore's, where do we invade next and how it links to what we were talking about? Yeah, it just so happened that I was watching them both over the holidays and saw the link there. Um, but um, when he visits Iceland, he has a, a, a number of conversations. I mean, we don't have time to go into everything that he discussed in Iceland, but if you want to learn how they survived the 2008 uh, financial crisis, definitely have a look. had to do with women running a particular bank. But, oh, cool. Um, I think, <laughs> yeah, so three banks collapsed and one stayed in the black and did not lose money for their clients and that was the one bank that was founded and run by women interesting and on the the principle that if they don't understand it they don't invest in it so um anyway there's i mean women in leadership in iceland they they say the women that they were interviewed say that it it's just part of their their bones it's part of their dna 1980 was the first time that they that a woman was democratically elected um, as a leader in the world, and it was in Iceland. And so since then, um, there are a number of laws in place, like gender laws, that um, you know enforce that you have to have either 40 percent women or 40 percent men on a board. So there's a lot of gender equity. Um, and I, what they talked about referring to the financial crisis was the reason that they believed that those bank that bank survived um, is because women um, looked at the decisions and leadership as what is good for the whole, um, as in you know the whole of society, the whole of your community, rather than what's in it for me, which is our traditional model of leadership. Um, and I think what that goes back to in terms of um, Cleo Wade and Elaine Welteros is that they talk about how they don't believe that what leadership requires now is, you know, the traditional competition um, comparison type of um, leadership. Rather, it's about constant collaboration. How can we use our platforms to elevate more women um, to these positions of leadership, and not just, as you talk about, big L leadership, but how are we using our influence 
uh, to, you know, help other women step up and take a leap into leadership, whether that's at their work or, you know, in their communities. Yeah, absolutely. And so it just kind of shows, and I, I like that connection because it shows that the work that they're doing, Elaine and Cleo are doing, and Reese, whether Reese is trying to do too, is I'm sorry, I'm just using all their first names because I feel like they're all my girlfriends now. Um, <laughs> the work that they're all doing is, um, you know, it, it can it does it can grow into something. Um, it, it's it's important locally at a community basis, but it's also important nationally. So really great um, segue. And I and I just wanted to kind of finish off that, that conversation with what you just talked about, which is, um, you know, using your leadership as a platform and understanding. And it's not just for other women, but for the world. Like you say, um, there's a whole theory now that we, we need more women leaders in order for the world to get better. And so um, Elaine Welteroth uses, she asks a question, uh, that sits with me and I take very seriously and I encourage our listeners to think about and consider, which is what are you going to do with the platform you've been given? So when you become a leader, when you're in that position or even where you are right now, you have a platform, you have a voice on social media, within your workplace, within your social life, within your family and friends. What are you going to do with the platform you've been given? So we'll leave that conversation there and leave people thinking about that and thinking about how they're going to, um, you know, take forward the ideas from this show and highly recommend it. Again, Netflix, Shine On, uh, watch all the episodes, but this one was particularly episode four. Um, fantastic interview and, and, and a lot of inspiration. So thanks so much, Tina, for being here. Thank you. And if you um, want to have... A little bit more inspiration as we move it into 2020. Recommend you you watch that and remember that um, Tina can be reached at Tina at LureCommunications.com if you are starting your own business and you want some communication support. Um, but she's also hanging out with us at the Leadership Leap. So we'll see Tina again next month. Thanks, Tina. Thanks so much. Okay. Thank you. Take care. Okay, so now we're going to move into the next bit of the show, which is the Inclusion Zone. It's our regular uh, monthly segment with Christina Sacchifio. Uh, and Christina is the principal consultant and owner of Boldly Inclusive, which is a consulting and training firm specializing in diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, as a professional educator, strategist, and community engagement specialist, Christina has developed a unique skill set around designing, implementing, and evaluating complex inclusion initiatives to address challenging social and professional issues. So, um, Christina, last time, and again, uh, I think it was it was the beginning of December. I can't remember the date, but Christina was here, and we talked about what diversity, equity, and inclusion actually mean. And it's really important for us to get a good frame of that. It is an ever-changing piece. Um, but, Christina, do you want to uh, – welcome back to the show, Christina. Hey, Leanne. How are you? Hey, Happy New Year. Happy I'm New good, Year. thanks. How, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Happy New Year. How's 2020 so far for you? 2020 has given me lots of clarity. It's been living up to its name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I hadn't even thought about that. That's awesome. See, we're already <laughs> learning. That's brilliant. 
Okay, so what we're going to talk about is, um, and you know, I work with Christina. I've worked with her on a couple of consulting gigs, and we were she was a staff member of mine, and she's hired me as a consultant. We've had um, this this collaborative stuff of which we have just spoken exists in real life, not just on TV. Um, so, Christina, tell us, we're going to talk. Would, uh, did you get a chance to check out that show, by the way? I did. I did, um, and I thought it was fantastic. Fantastic! It was a fantastic show, um, and I saw some really interesting connections. I mean, you know, connecting the dots between leadership um, and diversity, equity, and inclusion. Uh, you know, Tina said it well that there was this, you know, undercurrent of collaboration. Yeah. But I, you know, in addition to that, the other piece that I saw that really connected to the work that I do was around engagement. And we don't often talk about that piece, um, but I saw this really clear thread around, uh, you know, making the sort of setting the connective tissue between what it is to be inclusive and actually creating that space and being purposeful and intentional about engaging those who are on the margins. So, yeah, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, and it's a really important piece because both you and I have done a lot of work uh, around different kinds of engagement throughout our careers. Mm -hmm. And um, Cleo Wade, I think that's what really struck me. And I know I said it already, but I want to bring it back to, which is that piece around going to where people are at. Um, and so yeah, that that yeah. <laughs> sometimes in inclusion, it's like, well, we opened the door and they didn't come in, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and then and, and it's kind of um, like, oh, my inclusion efforts didn't work because they wouldn't come in the door. Exactly, and that's what uh, <laughs> inclusion first is actually going to tell us a little bit about. Um, but yeah, I think that that ability to be super thoughtful about what it is to really meaningfully connect with people is such a huge um, skill and a huge talent. And it's so clear that both um, Elaine and Cleo have these very unique ways of practicing that there's so much that we can learn from as, you know, folks who are doing this every day as well. Um, there's a lot that we can really learn from and take, uh, take from that in order to, you know, improve our practice everyday life. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So tell us, because this is this is kind of you've coined this term and kind of not. And I know that um, there's a trend in this, but you uh, I'm just going to tell you all that Christina was ahead of the trend on this one. Um, <laughs> tell us about what does inclusion first mean? What do you mean by that? Yeah, so inclusion first um Essentially, the idea is that it's a step-by-step approach that we've crafted at Boldly Inclusive to help organizations build and maintain inclusion within their organizations. So that's the, you know, that's a big piece of the puzzle, but really what it means when you break it down to like its basic, you know, components, essentially what we're saying is that the inside of your organization has to match what's happening on your outside. Right. So if you want to be inclusive, mm. if you want to, um, you know, be inclusive and meet your need, the needs of diverse clients, of diverse consumers, you really need to be able to, you know, model that inclusion internally within your organization. So that's and, and it's that key. Itself. Can I just pick up on that, Christina, because I yeah. just want to pick up that mm-hmm. you want to model it, but you want to model it first. And so just clarify for us, because it's, it's a really important piece, I think, that um you know, because because here's here's where you know we've spent how many years, like thirty years, with diversity efforts, and then we look mm-hmm. at leadership and go, hmm, there's not as many women, there's not as many people of color. Like, what's happening? We've been doing diversity for so long. I don't understand why it doesn't work. Um, so so a lot of companies have focused on visibility and numbers. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, ar- arguably we've made some progress, but arguably we've 
not made a lot of progress. So why is why is the first part important? Because because we call it dequi- uh, diversity, equity, inclusion. We put inclusion at the end. But you're saying right. bring it to the front. Why is that? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think there's two real reasons for that. So the first is really just um, to kind of shake things up. So as you said, I, um, inclusion is at the end of, you know, any conversation that we have around diversity, equity, inclusion, right? Um, or even if we reverse it and say EDI, it's the same thing. Inclusion is always at the end. So we want to bring it um, to the forefront. And there are two ways, two reasons for this. First is to kind of upset the status quo. Um, you know, traditionally, we've always over-focused on diversity, which I think is completely normal for us to do, simply because, you know, it's what we see. It's mm-hmm. what we can easily measure. Um, yeah. It's a quick way that we can, um, you know, start to see signs of success, whether our diversity efforts are working or whether they're not working. But unfortunately, what we're missing here is this conversation around sustainable diversity. So if we want to think about sustainable diversity, we can't just recruit diverse uh, populations. We need to create the com- conditions that will make them want to stay in organizations. Ah, right? that's so the we key need to part. Yep. Exactly. That's the key piece. So we want to create safe, welcoming spaces. We want to build a sense of belonging and value, right? And we know that these are like indicators of inclusion as well. And if we're not intentional about this, you know, creating this space in this way, then what we've done is we've really created this very gorgeous and beautiful revolving door, very representative, but not necessarily <laughs> one which people want to stay in, right? Yeah, yeah, so we very want to really true. be thoughtful about that, right? And I think mm-hmm. the second piece of the puzzle is that it helps us with um, the actual, like, building and implementation of our DEI initiative. So if we're thinking about matching what's on the inside to what's happening on the outside, well, what happens is when we create safe and welcoming conditions, for our staff, um, you know, people know what inclusion feels like, so they're more likely to be able to kind of role model it for um, for themselves, for their, uh, you know, their, their colleagues and for others. But they're also um, able to start becoming actually included and connected to that DEI process. So they're now starting to get moved into design, into decision making. And what happens then is that people become more, uh, you know, connected, they take more ownership over their D over the DEI journey and they become a lot more accountable to it. So suddenly what ends up happening is that we don't have this problem of having to create buy-in or to, uh, you know, build the case because people are right. People already, because they've been included in the process, just take it up as part of what they do and something that they're proud of. So there's two different reasons for, you know, taking this inclusion first approach, but ultimately the idea is that it will help make things a lot more easier, um, you know, as you move forward in your DEI journey. Well, and also there are a lot of studies that have, um, you know, tied diversity um, and and often, and again, we, we kind of, we've talked about this the last show, it's diversity on, on in its broadest sense, um, because when you have more and different kinds of people working, there are more and different kinds of thinking. And um, mm-hmm. a lot of companies have found increased productivity, increased innovation, and actually bottom line uh, has been affected in terms of, you know, more profitable. So there's actually been a lot of research that shows when companies do it, where organizations do it well, they do better mm-hmm. in those kinds of outcomes, right? Absolutely. Yeah, you're looking at about, um, you know, relative to others within your sector, uh, being in the top 25 to 30 percent in terms of your performance, uh, your performance indicators. So it is a huge boost. It's a strategic boost. 
Um, you know, I think we often think about it in terms of the HR benefit, but it's a huge strategic boost as well. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that broader piece. And when we talk about, and I love how you put it there, the sustainable diversity, uh, because we know that when people are um, coming and going and there's a lot of uh, turnover, that companies and organizations don't function well. You just, you lose a lot of um, uh, the kind of connectedness to the business or the the work that you're doing and also you lose a lot of productivity so um really cool ideas there christina and we're just going to take a break now but when we come back we're going to um, ask christina to tell us about what so we've talked about why inclusion first is important and um, some great kind of deliverables there and outcomes for organizations but then we're going to come back and ask what is inclusion first and how can we start to build inclusion intentionally so we'll be back in just a sec and christina will give us all the answers to that see you become our friend on facebook post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline visit facebook.com forward slash voice america Hi there, this is Liam Picot, the host of The Leadership Leap. Thank you for listening to the show. Before I stepped into my first leadership role, I wasn't sure about becoming a leader. I was worried I didn't have the skills or confidence to do it well. When I did move up, I always say that I attended the What Not To Do School of Leadership as I knew all the things I didn't want to do, but I was less clear about the kind of leader I wanted to be. So I had to learn that the hard way. That's why I created my online leadership program, also called The Leadership Leap. I help new and aspiring women leaders to grow your confidence and your leadership abilities so you can avoid some of the mistakes I made and make a more successful leap into leadership. Through over 20 video lessons, monthly group coaching, and homework exercises that help you put the learning into action right away, you will discover who you are as a leader and learn how to inspire others. You will also be part of a growing community of other fabulous new and aspiring leaders just like you. Find out more and sign up to learn with me at theleadershipleap.net and use coupon code radio for an extra $100 off just for listening. Make the leap into becoming the kind of leader you most want to be. Hi there, this is Liam Picot, the host of The Leadership Leap. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Before I stepped into my first leadership role, I wasn't sure about becoming a leader. I was worried I didn't have the skills or confidence to do it well. When I did move up, I always say that I attended the what not to do school of leadership as I knew all the things I didn't want to do, but I was less clear about the kind of leader I wanted to be. So I had to learn the hard way. That's why I created my online leadership program, also called The Leadership Leap. I help new and aspiring women leaders to grow your confidence and your leadership abilities so you can avoid some of the mistakes I made and make a more successful leap into leadership. Through over 20 video lessons, monthly group coaching, and homework exercises that help you put the learning into action right away, you'll discover who you are as a leader and learn how to inspire others. You will also be part of a growing community of other fabulous new and aspiring leaders just like you. Find out more and sign up to learn with me at theleadershipleap.net and use coupon code radio for an extra $100 off just for listening. Make the leap into becoming the kind of leader you most want to be. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to The Leadership Leap with Leanne Pico. You can find out more about Leanne and the program at theleadershipleap.net. Don't forget that you can also send in your questions about all things leadership to Leanne at her email address, info at theleadershipleap.net, and we'll try to answer them on the show. Now, back to The Leadership Leap. Hey, welcome back. So glad you're hanging out with us today. Um, You know, it's so cool talking about inclusion in a different way. I just want to say that. So before the break, I was chatting with Christina Sacchifio in her, this is her uh, inclusion zone segment. And we were talking about sustainable diversity and Christina's inclusion first approach. And we talked about why it's so important. So Christina, tell us what it is though. Like sometimes we get a why and we go, yeah, that's really important, but what does it actually look like in an organization then? Like how can we start implementing it? Yeah. So um, great question. So the model actually, we wanted to make it easily implementable for organizations. So the way that I've broken it down is that uh, we were giving organizations five simple questions to help right. them be strategic in their thinking about um, about inclusion and what it is to be to take an inclusion first approach. So um, there's five questions as I mentioned. The first is what does inclusion look like for us? Okay. Right. So what we want to do is we want to start thinking about you know first of all creating a shared understanding of what inclusion is for our organizations, um, but oh, also how yes. do we define success. Right. Right. So it's really about how do we, you know, define our goalposts and how do we commit to it? Right. So when we think about it, can I just ask Yeah. Go on. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to ask a question about that, because um, that that feels like the place where people often fall down, that shared understanding of what it actually means. Right. That's Mm -hmm. so important. It's so important. And I'm not sure organizations do that well. Like, I'm not sure they, they do kind of have processes for that. Yeah, and I think that part of the challenge is, well, A, um, you know, when we think about inclusion, we think it's so, you know, human and so um, obvious because we live in societies. So we know what it feels like to be inclusive, but we don't always necessarily know what it is to build inclusion, right? So I think it's a a part of the conversation that we sometimes take for granted. Um, But there's some really great, um, there's some really great uh, research that's out there that uh, breaks it down for us, what it is to be inclusive. One that I always like to go back to, um, and I love this, and everyone who's ever heard me talk about inclusion has heard me refer to this article, but it's it's called, um, Waiter, is that inclusion in my soup? (laughs) (laughs) It's a very memorable uh, title. (laughs) And what it does is it it actually breaks down, um, you know, what it is to be inclusive, what are the specific indicators of inclusion, and it gives us an inclusion maturity model as well. So in doing so, it says, you know, for organizations that are just starting out in these conversations, uh, inclusion might look like fairness 
It might look like, um, you know, like essentially um, trying to build equity into into systems. Like these are like the very basic indicators looking at how we are relative to our colleagues and saying, yep, that's fair. And because of that, you know, I feel like I'm being included within this organization. Whereas right. nowadays, many organizations are a little bit further along on this conversation. So they're uh, higher on the maturity scale. And so what they're having conversations about is how do I bring my whole self to work? How am I, um, you know, am I feeling that I belong in this space? Am I feeling that I am valued in this space, that my contributions are um, seen as being meaningful and and that they build, um, you know, into the organization's mandate or mission or goals or however they define that, right? So it's really about starting to think about the individual and how they're seen within an organization. So there's a a spectrum, essentially, of ways in which we can have these conversations about inclusion. And, you know, this first question around what does inclusion look like for us is an opportunity for us to, you know, dig deeper and start thinking about what do we want to see and what do we mean when we talk about inclusion and where essentially are we on this spectrum. And essentially from that, we're able to then come back and um, come back and, uh, you know, determine are we are we meeting those goals that we set for ourselves? Uh, do we need to redefine our, our, our definition? Because maybe we're further ahead than we realize. So it's also something that we want to come back to regularly and just sort of comfortably challenge ourselves that we're always doing better. Nice, nice. Okay, what's question number two? Yeah, question number two is, are people feeling included, <laughs> right? So mm-hmm. this is the question, this is where once we've defined what inclusion is within our organization, we can just start off by saying, are we actually meeting that goal? Like, are we meeting those goals? Um, one way of doing this um, is to take a cultural audit, right? That allows us to start to take a temperature of the organization, get a sense of people's feelings of whether they're being included, whether they're feeling excluded. Often when you do this well, though, um, and, and by doing it well, I always, you know, think about how do we do this in a way in which, um, you know, those who are participating in the audit feel safe in sharing honestly and, and sharing, um, you know, their, their, their um, you know, genuine thoughts about uh, inclusion within the organization. Once people feel safe, then they'll start to tell you <laughs> whether they're feeling included, number one, but also if there are gaps, what needs to happen in order to, to um, you know, fill those gaps as well. So it really gives us a good opportunity to not only t- take a temperature, but then to start to think about, okay, so what are some easy wins and what are some more long-term things that allows us to start planting those seeds that will help us plan moving forward. Yeah, and just to say, I think that's a, a super important point, and just to share that um, Christina and I, Christina does cultural audits through Boldly Inclusive, and I was um, privileged to be able to work with her on a recent project where we use story mm-hmm. as a way to enable people to share what they what their experiences were. And I think that worked very well. It was good to, like, it, it was kind of a little different from your usual interview, right? Absolutely, yeah. I think story just allowed people to start to think a little bit more broadly. Um, when we ask, you know, very specific questions, we start to impose different limits and, and different constraints on the answers that we might receive. But, you know, the story approach, and Leanne is so talented in this, so I was so oh, super, you. Uh, you know, super thrilled to have this opportunity to, to work with you and collaborate with you in this way. Um, you know, it, it opened the floodgates in terms of, you know, understanding and, and even being able to challenge the assumptions that we were making around uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. 
there are certain, or, uh, you know, I guess organizational understandings and, and ways in which we, we just sort of see things. Um, but we don't realize that individually we might, are, we're also bringing our individual experiences, our histories, um, you know, our, our biases and assumptions to the table as well. So, you know, taking the story approach and doing the audit, I think, allowed us to really dig deeper and, and not have those, those constraints that we often artificially place on ourselves. So it was a really great experience. And I'm looking forward to the next one, Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so what's number, what's question number three, then? Okay, so question number three starts to get into like specific actions, right? So the first, the, the next question is, how can we foster an inclusive environment, right? So now that we have our goals <laughs> set, yeah. now that we have an idea of, you know, what, uh, you know, the temperature is, we want to start thinking about what do we need to do now to create a space that, um, that, that fosters inclusion, so what we will do in a, in a situation like this is we might, we might go back to our cultural audit findings. Uh, we'll start to uncover any kind of problem areas that arise, identify strengths, opportunities, things that we can leverage. And essentially, as I said earlier, we're going to listen to what we're hearing from the cultural audit, but now we're starting to put things into action. So say, for example, if we're hearing, you know, that for some it's really important for there to be all gender bathrooms, then that's a conversation we can now start to have because that's coming out of the feedback that we're receiving. Another thing that often will, will start to come up in, in those situations is not just around things like microaggressions or unconscious biases, but what do those things specifically look like as mm. well? So, um, you know, if I'm experiencing this day to day and I'm able to share what this experience looks like, then now I can start to think about, okay, so what kind of capacity building as well? So training doesn't just sort of exist in its own space, but now training becomes part of, um, you know, the larger, the larger, um, you know, model around how can we start to build up people's capacities as well. So it's really about creating that environment that's that safe space in which people want to be in and people want to contribute to moving forward. Nice. Okay. So how are we fostering inclusion? What, what, what do we ask ourselves next? So the fourth question then is how do we build an inclusive culture? So it's a little bit different. They sound very similar, three and four. They sound similar, but they're a little bit different in that um, the first question, right? How do we build an inclusive environment looks at our space and how do we feel within it? right? Mm, this question nice. now starts to look at our culture. So what yes. are the day-to-day practices we take? What are the assumptions, um, you know, that we make about the ways things work in organizations? How do team meetings function, right? So it's, you know, taking that iceberg, <laughs> that iceberg, yes. uh, you know, image that we've all seen previously and starting to look at what's beneath the surface, right? How, like any culture, can our inclusion be lived within an organization? Um, you know, and, and ask, I'm really glad that you brought up, you know, the work that we've done together because, you know, as I'm thinking about this, one, one uh, example that always comes up in terms of what this looks like came out of, uh, you know, some of our, our story work that we've done together. And it was that question around what does it, what does it look like to be inclusive, but what does it look, what does it look and feel like to not be included? as well. Mm-hmm. And one thing that came out of this, you, you might remember, Leanne, is that sense of like, but I wasn't part of the decision making. I felt like everything was just sort of placed upon me, but I wasn't a part of the decision making. I wasn't part of the design. So when you hear these stories, we can now start to think about, well, are there opportunities for co-creation as a way of doing it within our organization? Um, do we want to take on inclusive design processes? How do we bring people in 
so that we're also getting their, um, you know, insights when consulting and designing as well. Yeah, absolutely. So that's where we're starting to take a little bit differently about how. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and, you know, and bringing up that point is so important because, um, and that's why this kind of intentional piece about culture is so important. So, and how it ties to other things. So, one of the things that um, we talk about here at the Leadership Leap a lot, and that I work with organizations on, is building a shared leadership structure. So, increasing yeah. the level at which people are able to contribute to decision-making. Actually, it's kind of going way back to the, I love your process for this because I can see where it goes way back to the first question and it's around, do you know, it's around feeling a sense of belonging. Do I feel like I belong? Do how I, can I bring my whole self? Can I contribute? All ties all the way up to whether we're included in those, in those decisions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So cool. So it's, it's so it's, cool. Again, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> no, just the spectrum, right? Like you've got a spectrum there that's very cool. Yeah, and, and it, yeah, and I think that I think that many of us know these things inherently, but you know, being able to put them together creates a map that we can follow. Um, one that's very simple um, and allows us to ask those very simple questions, and from there, dive deep into what does this actually mean as well right so we're connecting dots between you know those initial like goal post settings but we're also at the same time starting to think about now when we say this what does this mean what is our promise what are what is our commitment um and how do we want people to feel as as a part of this process and i think that's where we start to draw from setting those goals to what is the culture that we're creating yeah and i can see where even on the first four areas a roadmap is has been formed and people are working on it so that makes great mm-hmm. sense to kind of, and and it seems very practical and very measurable so what's what's question number 5 then if we've got if we've got culture now what's number 5 well interestingly enough you just said it measurement <laughs> oh okay right so the <laughs> question is how do we tra- how do we know we're on the right track? Um, awesome. So it really comes down to measurements. And you know, we were talking earlier about how um, you know the focus on diversity allows us to get those really easy measures. But now, when we want to think about inclusion in addition to diversity, then we need to measure a little bit differently, right? So it comes back to that question, that first question of how do we set uh, set our standards around inclusion, what does inclusion mean to us, and then we use those indicators as part of our measurement process. Um, We can also start to think about how do we use diversity um, data differently as well. Um, You know, we have, we might get that snapshot, you know, on a year-by-year basis, but multi-year trends will allow us to start to see what things look like on a broader scale. Um, We might also look at disaggregated data as well to get a better sense of, you know, differences in experiences um, as well. So there are lots of different ways that we could start to um, build into this. Also comparison to, um, you know, like demographic data, right? So if we have our different statistics organizations, uh, you know, depending on which countries we're in, if we're able to tap into those, we can probably get some like local level um, data and demographics to get a sense of, are we meeting the folks that, you know, that, that we're hoping to meet, is, is this representative of the community? Or is there anyone that we're leaving behind? Is there anyone we should be reaching out to? And that, again, helps us to start this whole cycle from the beginning to say, okay, um, you know, we're on the right track. This is what we need to do to, um, you know, kind of take the next step up in terms of our inclusion. Or it allows us to come back to that beginning on the cycle and say, you know what, maybe we missed the mark. Here's how we can start to think think about things a little bit differently 
So this is a really great map, but it also allows us to, you know, to create a cycle um, that allows us to build out and, and to build up our diversity, equity, and inclusion work. Nice. And that is a really good way to sum it up because it's actually, it's not a set it and forget it. It's a continual cycle and regrouping and figuring it out and evaluating and knowing we're not going to get it perfect the first time. Thanks so much, Christina. That's such a good... um, Effectively, that's a toolkit for people to use. And you can actually uh, get hold of Christina for those five questions and then also the process. Um, at What's your email address, Christina? Yep, at Christina at boldlyinclusive.co. So dot nice. co or my website, Perfect. boldlyinclusive.co. <laughs> boldlyinclusive.co. So Christina will be back here next month as well and we will be talking about shadism in leadership. Mm -hmm. That's going to be super interesting. So get in contact with Christina for coaching, training or consultant consulting projects related to inclusion at christina at boldlyinclusive.co so thank you so much to tina and chris thank you christina and thanks so much to tina for being here too next week we're focusing on nonprofit leadership and you'll have a guest host heather nelson who is a non uh, nonprofit expert it's going to be a good one and if you want to stay connected with me in the meantime you can sign up for your weekly leadership inspiration have your coffee or tea with me every sunday morning sign up at the leadershipleap.net See you next time. Thank you for joining us this week for the Leadership Leap. Liam Pico invites you to tune in for another engaging program next Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll help you make a successful leap into leadership. 